Hare Krishna. So, tomorrow is Varaha Dwadasi. Varaha Dwadasi means appearance of Lord Varaha Dev. Today is Ekadasi, the 11th day of this month of Magh. And Dwadasi is the 12th day. And Varahadev is the boar incarnation of the Lord. The, why does the Lord appear in this material nature? Soma. Why does the Lord come here? I'm asking him. To liberate us all and save us from the material nature. Do you know that verse from Bhagavad Gita? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, oh. Okay. Good. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Which one? Dikka, one comes after the other. <laughs> so what's the first one? And then? Very good. Mm. So, paritrana <clears throat> sadhunam means? Paritran means? To save, to, to deliver, mm, or to... Uh, save them, to deliver them. Sadhunam. Sadhunam means the sadhus, the saintly people. Who are the saintly people? Who are the devotees of the Lord? And then what's the next line? Vinashayacha. What does it mean? Defeat all the miscreants. Okay. To annihilate the miscreants. Hmm. And paritrana uh, sadhunam vinashayacha duskritam. Then, that is, what's the meaning? If, uh, to re-establish the religion. religious principle, the Lord comes. So, duskritam, miscreants. Who are the miscreants? Rajashekhar. In simple words, those who are uh, opposed to the Lord. Uh, those who are opposed to the Lord's Lord, they are the miscreants. They are the, uh, those who are not only opposed to the Lord, they also are, they themselves want to become the Lord. They want to lord over. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the Lord. Right. But those who do not want to accept His supremacy and they themselves want to become the Lord and Master, they are the miscreants. So when 
the influence of these miscreants become prevalent, then there is a chaotic situation created in this world. That means uh, when people don't want to abide by law, then what happens? There is disturbance in the society. So similarly, when uh, these people do not want to accept the authority of the Lord and His law, which dharma means the laws given by the Lord Himself, then there is chaos. Hmm. Just consider this country has its law. Now if majority of the people don't want to accept this law, abide by the law, then what will happen? Hmm? There will be total chaos. The law is you drive the car from this side of the road and stop when there is red, red light, start moving when it's green light. Now just consider if somebody don't <laughs> accept the simple law. They say, no, I won't drive from this side. I won't stop at red light. Uh, I'll stop at green light and move at the red light. <laughs> then what will happen? Uh, there will be complete chaos in the streets. Hmm? So when the situation becomes so critical, then the lawgiver uh, what does it what does it do he enforces the law right so similarly there is the ruler a king for the entire creation uh, who you can say is the king of kings so who is that king of kings the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And He has given a law. He has given His laws. And when people don't want to abide by that law, the miscreants, those who don't want to abide by the law, rather they want to create their own law, or don't want to accept any law, then there is a terrible chaos. And in order to rectify the situation, the Lord comes. Mm. So a situation like that was created by one person. Uh, he was Hiranaksha. There are two brothers. There was a great sage actually, great saintly personality, Prajapati, Kashyap. And he had his wife, Diti. And Diti became envious that her co-wife, Aditi, got 12 children. And they were so endowed with so many wonderful qualities. So she wanted to have a child. But she approached her husband at a wrong moment when it was the evening time, when the day is turning into night. That is, at, that is an inauspicious time. 
But she became so much afflicted by lust that although her husband said, look, this is not the right time because anyway, he explained why it was not the right time but she just kept on insisting so and he told okay but remember the consequence will not be good of this union and as a result of that she gave birth to two, two sons there Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha they became extremely powerful and they started to display their power or uh, and in order to do that they were challenging other powerful individuals come have a fight and in that fight he would kill his opponent and So in the meantime, Hiranyaksha, who not only was terrorizing the entire world, but he was also very fond of gold. And he was collecting all the gold from the earth. Now gold actually maintains the balance of the planet and makes it float in the orbit or remain in the orbit. Mm. So different metals also have their effect, you know, like uh, the gold is the one, gold is the thing that actually keeps the orbit, keeps the planet on the orbit. And when he took out all the gold from the earth planet, then earth planet fell, losing uh, its ability to remain in the orbit because it can't, mm, lost all the factor that was meant for keeping it in the orbit. The earth fell and it went into the lower region. Earth is actually situated in the middle region of the universe. Below Earth, there are seven lower planetary systems and above Earth, there are six higher planetary systems. So Earth fell into the nether region. Now to rescue the Earth, the Lord assumed this boar incarnation. And he went down to the lower region and lifted the earth planet. He was a boar. So boar have their tusks actually from lower to the upper. And the earth was placed, placing the earth or between his tusk, the the Lord as Varahadev rescued the earth planet. So this has been described
in the Dashavata Stotram. Bashoti Dashanu Shikhare Dharoni Tavolagna Shoshini Kalonko Kalevanimagna Keshavadrita Shukarurupa Jai Jagadishahari. Dashan means teeth, like placing the earth on his tasks. The Lord rescued the earth planet. At that time, because the earth fell into the lower region, the earth became dirty. So it seemed, looked like the marks on the moon. The Lord's form was so brilliant. Although he appeared as a boar, but he was so beautiful, so brilliant. And earth being placed on his tasks made him look like as if the moon with its blemish. Kalanka. Moon is luminous. But moon has the marks. They are called the blemishes of the moon. Sun doesn't have any. Moon has. So this is how the Lord appeared as Keshavadrita, Keshav, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, assumed the Sukarurupa. The Baraha incarnation. So, in the meantime, Hiranyaksha was going going all over, challenging different individuals. So he went to the region of Bibhavari, where Varun Dev, the Lord of the Water, the controller of the water in the planet, in the universe. He resides. So he went and he challenged him for a fight. Varun said, look, I am no match for you. So you won't really get any pleasure fighting with me. You are a hero. So you should fight with somebody who is of your equal power. So Hiranaksha asked, who is there? Who is my uh, appropriate opponent? So, Barun said, Hari. Where can I find Hari? Hari is everywhere. Yet it is difficult to find him. He appears to those who bestows his mercy upon. Otherwise one cannot see him. So, if you are fortunate enough, then you may be able to see him. Then Hiranaksha saw the uh, Varahadev is lifting the earth. And he became angry. Without my permission, why, how do you dare to lift the earth? So the Lord placed Varahadev, I'm sorry, Earth planet on the orbit. Hmm. 
By the touch of the Lord, Earth regained its power to remain in the orbit. So he placed him on the orbit and then he accepted the challenge of Hiranaksha. And a long flight, long fight ensued. For a long, long time they fought. Uh, Hiranaksha attacked him with a mess. And the Lord also, uh, although he has assumed the <laughs> form of a boar, <laughs> and the boars don't have fingers, they have only the hooves, but still with the holding the mess he was fighting with Hiranaksha. And the fight went for so long and the demigods from the space, from the sky, they were watching him, watching the fight. And then at one point, due to hmm, Hiranaksha striking the mess of uh, Varahadev so hard that the mess fell out of his hand. Now he was there without any weapon. The demigods cried out, my lord, please do something. Out of anxiety, our life here is practically on our throat. And at any moment, <laughs> we may lose our life out of anxiety. So please, actually the Lord was enjoying his pastimes, fighting with Hiranaksha. But this time what he did? With his left hand, uh, he just struck Hiranaksha, slapped Hiranaksha on his cheek. And Hiranaksha swooned. His body kept on spinning and it failed from the space uh, where they were fighting. This is how the Lord killed Hiranaksha. So the Lord appeared as Varahadev on this particular day, which is tomorrow, Varahadvadasi. That leads to another episode. <clears throat> the news reached Hiranagashipu, the elder brother, that his younger brother has been killed by Hari. So although he was enemical to Hari, he could not tolerate the supremacy of Hari, the glorification of Hari. Everyone is glorifying the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But the demons, what is the natural characteristic of a demon? He doesn't want to accept the Supreme Personality of Godhead. On the other hand, he thinks that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, uh, Hiranyakashipu was extremely enemical to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So then, Hiranyakashipu, uh, actually, Hira, their mother was crying. 
Hiranaksha's wife were crying, lamenting due to the death. And Bhagavatam describes Hiranagashipu is giving such amazing advice <laughs> to his mother and sister-in-law. He says, nobody comes here to stay forever. Death is imminent. But the death is of the body. But the soul is eternal. <laughs> soul simply changes bodies. <laughs> so we can see that he has a perfect understanding uh, over the nature of the soul uh, and so forth. But the problem is he doesn't have uh, the submissive attitude towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's what makes him a demon. So pacifying his mother in this way and after performing the funeral of his brother, he took a vow that, uh, that I will bathe you with the blood of our enemy. I'm going to kill this enemy. So he considered that his brother also is equally powerful as he was. And Hari killed him. So in order to become more powerful than Hari, he decided to become immortal. He thought that that's the only way that he can, could secure his victory over Hari. If he became immortal, then he won't be able to. Hari, he'll, uh, he'll be able to kill Hari. So considering that, he went to Mandar mountain and uh, standing on the peak of Mandar mountain, he started to perform his austerities. He thought by performing his austerities, he is going to please Brahma and from Brahma he will get the benediction, the boon of immortality. He can go, these demons can go only up to Brahma, but they can't go beyond Brahma to the Supreme Person, Brahma the Creator or the con not the creator actually, he's the interior decorator of the universe. Uh, creator is Vishnu. Mm. He creates the universe, but Brahma actually uh, fills up the interiors. Anyway, so Hiranyakashipu performed such severe austerity, just standing on his toe of one leg, with his hand stretched upwards, without moving, without eating without drinking, without sleeping, just standing there. We can see how powerful an individual he was. And he was just standing there uh, without moving. And as a result of that, the ants uh, started to eat up his body. They got an endless supply of food. Uh, and so in the ants started to eat up his body. And as a result of that, an ant hill was created. And his whole body was eaten up by the ants. Not only the flesh 
and uh, outer part, the inner part also was eaten up. His stomach was eaten up, his lungs were eaten up, his heart was eaten up, his brain was eaten up. The whole uh, body was eaten up. But Hiranyakashipu's soul was preserved within the marrow of his bone. That is how severe his austerity was. Just the skeleton standing, no flesh, nothing. The soul was under, in the marrow of the bone. And his austerity created such heat that that heat reached even the higher planetary systems and demigods couldn't tolerate that. The devas couldn't tolerate that. So they approached Brahma and said, please do something about him. So Brahma came and from his water pot, he sprinkled some water and Hiranyakashipu's body was replenished. And not only that, his body became so powerful that even thunder couldn't do anything to that body. So Hiranyakashipu, then Brahma asked Hiranyakashipu, what do you want? And Hiranyakashipu said, I want to be immortal. Brahma said, even I am not immortal. So how can I give you the bone of immortality? In this world, no one is immortal. Everyone, Whoever is born must die. So Hiranyakashipu thought that he will trick Brahma. So he said, okay, give me the boon that I'll not killed by any man, any demigod, any demon, any rakshasa, any, any serpent. You know, like took all the uh, living creatures that were there that he got the boon that he won't be killed by anyone. He said, fine, I can grant that boon. Then he said, I won't be killed by any weapon. Fine, I can grant you that boon. Then I won't be killed during the day or at night. Fine, granted. I won't be killed either in the space or on the land or in water granted. I won't be killed inside the room or outside the room. Granted. So getting all these boons, Hiranyakashipu practically became immortal. And he fought with the demigods, drove them out, took over the heavenly planet and became, started to rule. But his son, Prahlad, became a devotee of the Lord. When Hiranyakashipu went to perform austerities, the demigods headed by Indra took this opportunity to attack his kingdom. And defeated the demons. And at that time, Hiranyakashipu's wife, Kayadhu, was pregnant. So they thought that they will take her, into, keep her into captivity, and when the child is born, they will kill the child. Mm. 
because they thought that the child will also be a demon. So when <coughs> the demigods were taking Kayadhu to uh, keep her in captivity, Narad Muni came there and he said, look, uh, why are you unnecessarily troubling this woman? Torturing women or troubling women is not not appropriate. So they said, "She, this is the wife of Hiranyakashipu, and she's pregnant, and she's going to give birth to a demon. So that's why we're just taking her, so that after the childbirth we can get rid of the child." And he says, "No, the child in her womb is not a demon, but a great devotee of the Lord." So let her go. So the demigods, due to the advice of Narad Muni, let her go. But then <coughs> Kayadu considered where she was going to go. The kingdom of her husband has been plundered. There is no place for her to go. So Narad Muni kept, took her to his ashram. And Naradmani blessed her that child will not be born until your husband came back. And so she was there and Naradmani used to advise her on uh, spiritual understanding, advise her about Krishna consciousness. And Prahlad Sitting in the womb of the mother, he started to acquire that knowledge. Just when he was in his mother's womb, he received this uh, transcendental knowledge from Narad Muni about who the Lord is, what is our relationship with Him, and chanting His glory is the ultimate goal of life. And uh, Narad Muni, then when Hiranyakashipu came back, he returned Kayadhu to him. And in course of time, the child was born. When the child was about six years old, Hiranyakashipu sent him to Gurukul, Guru's ashram, to be educated. Uh, but what kind of education? materialistic education. Uh, he was learning uh, all kinds of uh, education that is uh, meant for ruling over this, dominating over this planet. Like uh, diplomacy, politics, psychology, and so forth. And then, <clears throat> but when they used to, uh, this is what they were te- the gurus were teaching, two sons of Shukracharya, Shanda and Amarka. And during their break, Prahlad used to get his students, his friends together, and they used to, he used to teach them how to uh, 
chant the holy name of the Lord and dance with that tune. So anyway, so then during the vacation when he went back home, his father asked, my son, how is your schooling going? Is it very nice? I have so many friends. So what did you learn there? What did you learn there? Well, you know, he asked, what is the most important thing that you learned there? He said, Hari is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And we are his eternal servants. And the best occupation is to be engaged in his devotional service. Hiranyakashipu became furious, called his gurus, teachers, Shanda and Amarka, what they are teaching my son. You are teaching him that my enemy is their worshipper, is his worshipable Lord. They started to tremble with fear because Hiranyakashipu, you know, this king of the demons, so powerful and when he's angry, God only knows what he can do. <laughs> and so they said, trembling with fear, they said that we never taught him that. These are the syllabus that we are teaching. <laughs> Physics, chemistry, mathematics, <laughs> structural engineering. <laughs> Then he said, then maybe the demigods are coming, infiltrating and teaching him all this undesirable thing. So he sent his soldiers to guard the ashram, Guru's ashram, so that nobody can enter there. Not even a bird can fly over that ashram. Then after some while, after he came back, the Prahlad came and father asked, so what did you learn in school? He said the same thing. So <clears throat> he got so angry, so furious that he again called the teachers and said, teach them properly, teach him properly. Deprogram him. <laughs> like all this undesirable stuff that he is learning. Then uh, the third time when Prahlad was asked, Prahlad gave the same answer. The ultimate goal of life is to surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is one without a second and no one is equal to him. Hiranyakashipu got so angry that he just, he was sitting on his lap, Prahlad was sitting on his lap. He just threw him on the floor. And he ordered his bodyguards kill him. So being ordered by that, ordered like that, they immediately unseat their weapon and struck him. Nothing happened to Prahlad. Rather, their weapons broke into pieces. 
these are, you can well imagine what kind of weapons they had, the weapons that they could fight with the demigods with. That weapon just broke into pieces. Then Hiranyakashipu said, seeing that the weapons couldn't do anything to him, he said, send, throw him into the pit of venomous snakes. So the snake started to bite him, but nothing happened to him. Finally, the snakes, these are all ordinary cobras or things. These are celestial snakes. Uh, serpents with many heads and huge bodies. So they started to appeal to Hiranyakashipu. My Lord, our sacks are empty, our, bro- our fangs are broken, but nothing is happening to the child. So then Hiranyakashipu arranged that a huge fire should be lit and he should be thrown into that fire. So a mountain-like logs were collected and he was thrown into that fire. Nothing happened to him. Rather to him, uh, the flames of the fire seemed like the touch of the cool, soothing touch of the lotus petals. Then he said, throw him from the mountain top. Throw him down the cliff. Nothing happened to him. Midair Krishna caught him and gently placed him on the ground. <laughs> then Hiranyakashipu suggested that let him throw in the ocean and bury him under the ocean throwing all the big, big boulders. So they did that. Big boulders, mountain peaks, they broke and threw to bury him underwater. Nothing happened to him. To him, those huge boulders and mountain peaks seemed like a bunch of cotton wool. And very easily he removed them, came out of the water. So Hiranyakashipu was awestruck. This child is invincible. So he asked him, where did you get this power? He said, I'm getting the power from the same source where you are getting the power from, where everyone is getting the power from. Who is that? Hari. Where is he? Everywhere. Is he in this pillar? Yes. And with his bare fist, he just struck the pillar. The pillar broke, shattered into pieces. And from the pillar emerged 
a strange form. A creature with his head of a lion and body of a man. So he immediately attacked him. And a terrible fight ensued between two of them. They fought for a long, long time. And when the day was just about to turn into night, the Lord picked him up, grabbed him. He sat on the doorstep, placed him on his lap, and tore his abdomen open. Pulled out his intestine, wrapped the intestine around his neck. And in this way, he killed him with his nails. Tavakara Kamalavari Nakham Adbhuta Shringam Dalita Hiranyakashipu Tanu Bringam Hiranyakashipu's body, which was invincible even to thunder, such strong body. But he tore this body with his nails just as a child can tear uh, a wasp. Uh, a wasp body is so soft, uh, even a child can pierce it. So the Lord, Tanu uh, Bhringam, and Keshavadrita Narahari. The Lord assumed this half lion, half man form. Now remember the ba- the boons that Hiranyakashipu had. He won't be killed by any man, woman, uh, uh, animal, demigod, and so forth. He appeared as half man, half lion. He was neither a man nor an animal. He won't be killed by any weapon. He didn't use any weapon. He used his nails. Uh, he wouldn't be killed on the space or in on the land. The Lord placed him on his lap, which is neither the space nor the land. He wouldn't be killed inside the room or outside the room. He sat on the doorstep, which was not inside the room or outside the room. He wouldn't be killed during the day or night. At the junction of this, uh, Sandha, uh, when it was neither day nor night, the Lord killed him. So nobody can outsmart the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this is how Hiranyakashipu was killed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, today is Varaha Dwadasi and tomorrow is Varaha Dwadasi when the Lord appeared as Varaha Dev to kill Hiranyaksha and then he appeared as Hiranyaksha as Narahari Nishingadev to kill Hiranyakashipu.
So any question? What did I tell you before I went upstairs? <laughs> Yes. Which, um, in Bhagavatam, there are two references. One is the Varaha gave in, um, in, uh, in red form and the other one in verse. Oh, mm. how, does the, how, how does it explain? Yeah, when there are descriptions like that, we have to understand in two different kalpas the Lord appeared as Shweta Varaha and Rakta Varaha. Vinodini? Um, the knowledge that I'm not the body is most helpful. Um, I'm wondering about when the body um, is diseased and somebody's suffering physical pain, how do they transcend that? By thinking about Krishna? <clears throat> how do they transcend that? Yeah, good question. And when I, what I answered uh, also is the real answer to that question. Because, you see, you feel the pain only when the consciousness is there on the body. If the consciousness is shifted to Krishna, who is the source of all consciousness, then will you be conscious of your body? Just consider <clears throat> somebody is going to have an open heart surgery. What do the doctors do? Yes. And then they cut open his ribs, splice it open, pull out the heart. Does he feel anything? Why not? What does the anesthetic do? What does it mean? Okay. What what it does, anesthetics, what they do is numb your nervous system. And when the nervous system is inactive, the consciousness doesn't flow. Right? Therefore, one doesn't experience what's happening in the body. So this is done artificially. Now, you can naturally do that hmm, by shifting your consciousness towards Krishna, who is the source of all consciousness. Then you are aware, conscious of Him and not conscious of your body. And that is why you don't register any pain. Okay. <laughs> what you mentioned, that, uh, you said that Varaha uh, was able to see, Yernaksha was able to see that Varada uh, was taking the art on his trunk. So how was he able to see that? Tusk, not a trunk. Tusk. So how was he able to see? So does it mean that he was not on the earthly planet? He was yeah, I mean, you can see, like, he could go, he was not only earth planet, you know, they have their region hmm, in Bhuvarloka, above earth planet. He was challenging the demigods, that means he was going to heavenly planets. He was going to the lower planetary systems, 
like you know he could actually travel anywhere in the universe so he, that's where he saw and ultimately it was the Lord allowed him to see otherwise one cannot see it's his pastime so he allowed him to see and they got into a fight kind of knowledge, this realization, how can he not be, you know, uh, He knows the soul, but he doesn't accept the Lord because he doesn't accept the form of the Lord. Their understanding is, or his understanding is, that ultimately it is Brahman Jyoti. The soul will merge into Brahman Jyoti. That is the ultimate goal of life. And the forms are transformation of Brahman. Brahma is not immortal. So it's a long, long life. But according to Brahma's calculation, it's only 100 years. <laughs> according to our calculation, it may be a long life. When the uni- Brahma leaves this his body, then the universe dissolves. That's the end of the universe. <clears throat> they are not of this. Lord Shiva's expansion is Rudra. So Rudra goes back to Shadashiva. Sadashiva is in the spiritual world. And Vishnu's identity is not really relative to the universe because from his breathing all these universes are generated. Kandar Prasunari. Uh, is that the Nishina they pull up the intestine and make any significant reason? Yeah, good question. You see, the, the spirit soul travels through the intestine and then uh, through the semen goes to the womb of the mother. And because Prahlad's soul traveled through the intestine of Hiranyakashipu, therefore Nishingadev considered that to be sacred. And he wrapped it around his neck as a garland. Although he was a demon, but because Prahlad's soul went through his body, his intestine was sanctified. Not only sanctified, his is spiritualized. 
travel from body to body and does it have a vehicle or does yeah, the vehicle is a subtle body. Mm. The gross body and subtle body. And the subtle body is material? Subtle body is material. In this material world, after death, the subtle body carries the soul to the next destination. And does the subtle body have a shape or a look? Or yeah, a subtle body has the subtle shape. Uh. Like, uh, like you can say, you know, in simple words we can say what you call mentality. Different people have different mentality. And that mentality is the shape of the subtle body. Mm. And according to one's karma, according to our, one's action, the subtle body takes the shape because every single action leaves its imprint in the subtle body and accordingly it gets the shape mm. like when one acts like an angel his subtle body becomes like that of an angel mm. and it's placed into an appropriate home and he gets an appropriate body right so this is how, according to one's karmic reactions, the subtle body takes the shape and the soul is carried by the subtle body to the next destination. And I've also um, heard that we get born in different places on the earth, So India is the land of spirituality. Like, generally, like that Europe is a land of passion. Africa is a land of ignorance. But in the age of Kali, it's all mixed up. <laughs> like you can see some parts of Africa now became like Europe, like South Africa. <laughs> and... And some parts of India has become like Africa, <laughs> or even worse. <laughs> yes, you have a question. Well, by the arrangement of the Lord, anything can happen. And ultimately it's all arrangements of Jogomaya. Because if you can go back, is Jai and Vijay who wanted to give the Lord the taste of Virarasa, the mellow of chivalry that is derived from fighting. Now in the spiritual world nobody fights with the Lord in Vaikuntha. Therefore he had to come to the earth planet or in the material nature to enable the Lord to experience that joy of fighting. That's why they took birth as Hiranakashipu, Hiranaksha in Satya Yuga, Ravan and Kumbhakarna in Treta Yuga.
Shishupal and Dantavakra in Dwapar Yuga. Indian temple and on the wall there was a picture of 10 avatars and one of them was Krishna. So Krishna is one of the avatars or from him? <coughs> the eighth avatar, eighth incarnation is not Krishna. Eighth incarnation is Valaram. Mm. Keshava Dhrita Haladhara Rupa. Valaram. Good point. Huh? What is meditation? So, I mean, I don't know. When I have practiced it, I feel like I can let go of this conscious body and move into this subtle. You know, meditation means <coughs> focusing the mind onto one point. Right? As a matter of fact, everybody is meditating all the time. Most of the people are meditating on money. <laughs> right? But the point is, everybody is meditating on different aspects of material nature. The real meditation is to project the consciousness on the, on the Lord in the heart. Withdrawing your consciousness from external projection and projected internally. That is the actual purpose, purpose of meditation. Meditation is not really to blank the mind. That's not possible. Uh, mind's business is to think. And it cannot stop thinking. Only it stops thinking when it's unconscious. Otherwise consider when you're awake, the mind is always thinking. Even in sleep, when you're dreaming, we are thinking. But when you go into a dreamless sleep, then only we are not thinking. Because then the mind is not active. Otherwise, if the mind is active, it means it has to think. But the question is, think about what? And the real instruction, the scriptural instruction is Krishna himself is instructing in Bhagavad Gita. Man mana bhava. With your mind, think of me. Now, you see, this is how our consciousness is withdrawn from matter and projected onto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hmm. So, you know, this is probably, you know, like as I was saying, the different levels of understanding. Now, probably, uh, I will uh, make that, try to make it clear to you. See, Buddhism takes it to a certain level. But there is something beyond that. Uh, the Buddhism is actually uh, projecting the mind to uh, the to become void 
right? But the real thing is, the real, you know, advancement will be beyond that, is to become projected onto the reality. You see, okay, let's put it this way. If this is illusion, this is illusion, understandable. Now, what is illusion? The illusion has been defined as to think about something in a way that it is not actually. It is, it actually is not. For example, a mirage is an example of illusion. Hmm? It's hot sand, but gives the impression of water. It's not water, that's the illusion. It's hot sand, but giving the impression of water. Another example of illusion is mistaking a rope to be a snake. Sometimes in semi-darkness we see a rope and we think, oh, it's a snake. It's not a snake, it's a rope, but we are thinking that it's a snake. Okay, now the point is, there is no water in the mirage. But somewhere the water is there. That's why you are mistaking the mirage to be water. If there was no water, there was no question of mistaking the mirage to be water. If there was no snake, then there was no question of mistaking the rope to be a snake. Right? So this may be illusion, illusory, but the reality is there where the real things are existing. You get the point? Huh? That that because that exists, that's where you're mistaking that to be that. And <clears throat> so, you see, so this is how we are deriving that this material nature is illusory, but there is another reality which is real. That is the spiritual reality, spiritual world, spiritual sky. Hmm. Okay, so now we understood that our identity is spiritual. So uh, we are actually coming from the spiritual source. Now what is the source where you came from? The source is, if we are souls, then the source is the supreme soul. Right? The source can be ident identified as the Supreme Source, who is the source of all souls. And in this respect, we can consider an example, like the sun and the rays of the sun. Hmm. So, we are the rays. They're minute. The rays are minute. But they still have the same qualities as the sun. The sun has light. The sun has heat. A ray of sun also has light and heat. Hmm. But they are minute where the sun is 
absolute. So we are minute souls and he is the supreme soul. So this is the identity of God. God is the supreme soul. Okay, now as it was coming to consciousness aspect. So if we consider a ray can think. Right, just consider the ray can think. Now, if the ray is, ray's back is turned toward the sun, then what will the ray see? The ray will see its own image, own shadow, because, you know, like when the sun is at the back, let's just consider, sun is at the back and you are looking at this direction, what will you see? Shadow. Your shadow you'll see. Mm. And now if you start to consider that the shadow is your actual identity, your shadow is your real self and that's what is happening to us. Because our back is turned towards the Lord, mm. we are seeing the darkness that is created by ourselves, and that is the shadow, the absence of light created by ourselves due to our projecting our consciousness away from the Lord, we are in this situation. Right? Now, it is all happening due to the mind because through the mind the consciousness is flowing. Now if you want to rectify the situation, what do we have to do? We have right. Bring our awareness to the heart, to where the Lord is, right? And that process is something like turning your face, right? When you turn your face towards the sun, will you see, see your shadow anymore? No. Ah. So that is the actual uh, spiritual accomplishment. Our consciousness is turned away from the Lord. Therefore, we have developed our false identity, false ego. Mm. Identifying with the body and thinking that the body is the self. Mm. So, but when we turn our face towards the Lord, then in that light, we see Him, we see ourselves, and we see everyone around us. <laughs> So that is the real purpose of meditation. Uh, so the med ultimate purpose of meditation is to develop this awareness of the Lord. Mm. <laughs> Makes sense? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. So because you are a student of philosophy, so I... Recognizing who we are chanting, whose name we are chanting. He is a person. God is a person. Hmm. And we have, you know, like it is that kind of becoming aware of that person. 
Now let us consider, you know, he's a person, but what kind of person? He's the supreme. And you can consider that you are coming from him. Therefore, he is the supreme father. Because we are coming from him, uh, we can consider him to be the supreme father. Right? Now, consider a child has a very wealthy, very influential father. But the child forgot about him. He became mad, ran out of the house, and he doesn't know where he belongs to. And he is undergoing so many difficulties. Right? Now, if by some means he can re-establish his lost relationship with his father, will he have any difficulty? Now, the problem with us is a child becomes mad and forgets about the father. And our condition is, we have not only forgotten about him, but we don't even want to accept him. Uh, although we have a father who is so influential, so wealthy, he is the supreme powerful, he is the supreme opulent. And we, he is our father, and he is waiting for us, but we are saying, no, I don't accept him, I don't believe that he is there. And the father says, okay, what can I do? <laughs> if you don't want to come back to me, like uh, yesterday I gave the example of the ch ch child in the park playing with his friends. Uh, when he's absorbed in, the, in his games with his friends, the father is not interfering. Okay, play. Uh, only when the child uh, calls out to the father, the father is waiting. Okay, come, let's go home now. Uh, so our situation is like that. It's up to us whether we want to stop our game here and go back to him. When we want to do that, he will, he will help. He will enable us to do that. Yeah, when you chant with full, you know, conviction, with total dedication and, you know, faith that he is there, he is listening, pray to him sincerely and you see, you will see yourself how he responds. <laughs> Alakananda, do you have a question? <laughs> No, okay, I thought you had a question. <laughs> yes, sir. We've so many um, approaches, like we're taught, taught to approach um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through Nityananda, and you know, there's always approaching Krishna through Radharani. So, when we're talking with God or Krishna, we're approaching through, I, I get quite confused. Okay, okay, good, very good question. The example that I gave of a traveler who lost his way in the desert, running after a mirage. Then somebody comes and tells him, look, that's a mirage. There's no water there. He'll never find any water there. 
But the real water is there in the oasis. Come with me. And not only that, he pulls out a bottle of water and says, drink. <laughs> right? <laughs> now who is that person? That person is the spiritual master. Right? And that's why his instruction has to be accepted at first. Then he introduces you to different other personalities in the spiritual sky. Now if you don't if you don't accept him, if you disregard him, what's the hope? The person who is saying, look, the water is there. And if you say, I don't want to accept you, I'll continue this, I know it's there. Then who can help you? Right? So that is the first consideration. You know? That's why in this process, the role of the spiritual master is so important. Important in the sense there is one person you accept that I am going to believe what he says, right? I am not going to depend upon my speculative uh, propensities. I will just accept whatever he is saying. Uh, and if that, and here the important thing is that, you know, that person knows where the water is. Now, if he is a fake one, then... <laughs> <laughs> then you are in trouble, right? <laughs> but then again, as I said, I mean the genuine one who is giving the information, you know, he pulls out a bottle of water and gives it to you. That way, you know, it be, you become convinced, no, he knows where the water is because he has it. Therefore, the proof of the spiritual master's instruction or validity is that he relieves us from our suffering condition. So that is the proof. This person relieves us from the suffering condition. Then I can trust him that he will take us to the world of joy. Okay? <laughs> Okay. You have any question? No. <laughs> okay.